new drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. I'm journalist and author Terry Fry. The usual driver of this show, Eric Goodman, is out today and sitting in with me is Danilo Piero, who's familiar to MileHighSports.com readers, listeners, and viewers as a versatile writer and now as the site's digital director and ops manager. Welcome, Danilo. How are you, Mr. Fry? I'm doing fine. Doing fine. Hanging loose. Second show of the day. Yeah, and uh, here I am, excited to chat with you. And I was talking about it. Does uh, digital director and ops manager mean you're an important wheel here now? Uh, I mean, I'm a full time employee, so you know, I think uh, it means something. I guess you miss writing. You covered when I knew you mm-hmm. when I was teaching you at yes. MSU Denver. You were covering the Colorado Rockies, and I've asked you this before, but I I think the answer is enlightening. You miss writing. Yes, to a degree, but not with the tedious aspect of it. I do prefer to be in front of a microphone. There's certain topics that I get extremely passionate about that I wish that I could continue to, you know, write about, but like what? I don't know. Like I would have loved to have, you know, put some sort of column or some sort of synopsis of thoughts together after the Avalanche won the cup or, you know, be along for the ride and kind of detail that. You know, I had our Avalanche reporter Arif Dean on the, my mm-hmm. program, you know, every single day and you know just hearing his stories traveling to Tampa you, doing you were all jealous. that not jealous, but it made me think back, you know, when I was uh, first here with My Life Sports, I used to pay my way down to go down to Arizona for playoff games. You know, we're glowing and growing as a company. So I definitely miss the writing. I still do it a little bit, though. I do a uh, written football betting mm-hmm. primer uh, every Friday now for uh, the That's football great. betting season. So I do miss it, but I've uh, come to realize I think my career should probably be behind a microphone. I do think, though, that writing is a basis for a lot of things in what you're continuing to do. Absolutely. It's it's important to the, it's important to communication in general. And I think if you don't know how to be a strong writer, I don't know how you can really be a strong radio host or on TV or really do anything in this industry. You got to be able to comprise your thoughts. Well, I enjoyed having you in my class. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the 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 teacher, the student coming together here on My Life Sports Radio. Look at that. There've been a lot of them out there and uh, it's been an enjoyable process to see. I've been teaching for 7 years. It's an enjoyable process to see various former students kind of wedge their way into the business and decide also using the writing as the basis for the direction of their careers. They didn't, very few of them have become writers, Yeah, but they've used that as a springboard and as a basis as an underlying foundation for going into other things. I think you hit the, that's exactly how I got into this world is like writing was the, I don't want to say the lowest barrier to entry, but everyone needed writing, at least for free. When I was, you know, 16, 17 years old, first getting started, no one was going to look for a 16, 17-year-old to come host a radio show, right? Well, let's find out who you are. Where'd you go to high school? Uh, I went to Holy Family High School. The, the new one, though, in Broomfield, not yeah. the former home of uh, Mr. Vic Lombardi. Or Helen Marzano Fry. There you, oh, I did not know that. Yes. Really? The wifey went to Holy yes. Family, huh? I was a Wheat Ridge boy, and she was a Holy Family girl. Wow, look at you. You went to the, the Catholic ranks to find one. <laughs> We're an interesting bunch. So we're going to start out by, we're going to talk hockey, and I need to, I'll give you a million dollars if you can name the Avalanche two draft choices without looking. Oh, uh, I just know one's from Belarus, and he's a goalie. That's all I know, if I'm being honest with you. The guy they drafted in the seventh round. One, with the 193rd pick, they picked defenseman Christopher Romain, and with the 225th pick, they picked goalie Ivan Zagalov. He's playing in the QMJ. There you go, Ivan so. Zagalov. That's the one that I 
new only because we put an Instagram post up on uh, our social media. <laughs> well, more importantly, they made the deal for Alex, goalie Alexander. Help me again. Gorbachev. Gorbachev, I believe is how we say it. I'm just calling him Alex G. How about that? Alexander G. Gorg. Or is it Gorgiev? Gorgiev. Gorgiev. Right. I'm going to have to call Arif, and he was the one who pronounced me Gorgiev. Gorgiev. we got to get, like, a whiteboard. So Joe Sackick said that Gorgiev, who's been the backup for the New York Rangers uh, and lost kind of the race with Igor Shosturkin to back up, to back up uh, Henrik Lundqvist yeah. the last couple of years, is coming to Colorado for the three draft choices. Mm-hmm. And Joe Sackick has, has basically announced they view him as the number one goaltender. And... Frankie Francis is going to be, Pavel Francis is going to be the backup. Everybody's favorite backup. But, you know, uh, the thing that stuns me now, and I'll retreat a little bit, and maybe we didn't talk about this enough at the time. What did it say for Pavel Francis after it came out following the Avalanche Stanley Cup victory that that, uh, Darcy Kemper was having eye problems, and they were still throwing him out there and playing him as the goalie ahead of Pavel Francis? You have a goaltender who's having eye problems. Yeah. You know, it would be ludicrous and stupid, and I won't do it to second-guess that decision the way it worked right. out. Yeah, it worked out all right. You can't do it. But I, I just think that's mind-boggling that we're, we're talking about a, a goaltender who's having eye issues going to the optometrist two or three times a day to refocus his vision. Have you ever and heard he, of some- And he's playing goaltender in the playoffs. Yeah. I've never heard of anything like that, especially in that high strenuous of a situation with the the Stanley Cup final run there. I don't know if it necessarily speaks rounds to to Francis here in that sense. I know a lot of the fan base wanted to see him over Darcy for quite some time in that uh, playoff run, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think Pablo Francis is who he is, right? I think he's the the Avalanche fan is comfortable with him as a backup in net. You're never really expecting the world. It's you know a little different than a backup quarterback, but I think he's a fan favorite to a degree. And yes. I think for a backup, there's enough confidence in France who's in there. Now the question is though, and I'm making another football comparison here. You know what's the old saying? If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Yeah. Now you've got two goaltenders. No, you can have two goaltenders. You can, you can absolutely. Have two goaltenders. But you don't have the like you knew Darcy was your rock solid number one, right? You're banking on Gorg- Gorgiev. To come in here, who essentially was supposed to be the heir apparent to Henrik Lundqvist, you know. So there's, well, I'm saying there's some question marks well, with both guys. That's the other irony there. Chris Drury is now the general manager for the Rangers. He's making a trade with his former road roommate with the Avalanche, Joe Sackett. So the, ah. been talk, I assume there was a casual conversation about this over the course of the season, even before the trading deadline. And so I think this was this has kind of been in the works to shake it down, and see where Darcy stands. And even maybe to make the move anyway, because uh, right. Darcy Darcy Kemper was making four and a half, was making uh, four and a half million dollars, and he'll probably command what five or six on the open market you after know, winning a so cup. I'm not sure about that. I we always sit here and say that's that's what's going to happen, and then it turns out that there are there is some cynicism out there, and and the free agent goaltending slots have been drying up now with Mark yeah. Andre Fleury signing back up with Minnesota, and some other other re-signings going on. I don't think there's going to be as many slots out there as the camper camp thought there would be. And, you know, technically he's still avalanche property. Joe Sackick has kind of announced to the world, if you want to have exclusive negotiating rights with Darcy Camper before free agency opens, uh, we'll take a draft choice for it. Yeah, so, I think it's the right way to go about it. So that we'll see what happens there. You know, and the thing about Gorg- Gorgiev is that... <laughs> We're going to have some fun with that one, aren't we? He's basically been five years as the Rangers' backup, right? At, at, both at Hartford and uh, with the Rangers themselves. 
His numbers aren't that great, Anilo. No. 2.93 goals against average in 131 NHL games in a point nine oh nine. Uh, his save percentage. Now, this year, coming down the stretch, he had a really good streak coming down the stretch. Yep. Uh, and played pretty well. Well, 8-1 so, and one with two shutouts. So yeah, probably. and I think that kind of reinforced the avalanche interest in him. I think they probably had tentative conversations about it. But the, the thing about the financial aspect of it, it's not as it's not as uh, ca- there's not a huge cavern there that is, as we're talking about a little bit. Yep. Uh, Francois is making two million dollars for each of the next two seasons. Gorgiev is a two point four million dollar cap hit, but he's a restricted free agent now. So you expect what would you guess four million dollars now that he's the number one goaltender? That's the thing about when Joe announces he's the number one goaltender, it means you better pay him as the number one goaltender. Right. But he's a restricted free agent. We know nobody's going to, nobody else is going to jump in and, and make a ridiculous offer. Yeah, I mean, that seems about right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm curious here, though, because the thing is, like, like you kind of talked about, right? Like, there was never, there was always a debate to kind of be had in the Stanley Cup run. You don't take anything away from Darcy Kemper with the eyesight, right? But, I mean, even after winning a Stanley Cup championship, the goaltending situation was kind of the biggest question mark on the roster no entering this season, it. and it still is a question mark entering this season as a defending cup champ. Well, I said before the trade, and I honestly believe this, and I still believed it was a possibility, that the Avalanche would have decided they won a Stanley Cup with ordinary goaltending. Yeah. And so they don't want to, when they have to fit guys under the cap, they don't want to give Darcy Kemper that, that quote, what you would think would be a mandatory major raise right. after winning a Stanley Cup championship. And, and uh, so that would change that situation. It's not just a case. And I thought I thought they would really reach that conclusion that we won the Stanley Cup with ordinary goaltending. Let's move forward with Pavel Francis and Eustace Annanen. Yeah. Uh, Eustace Annanen is the guy they want to be the number one in a couple of years, but they don't want to rush him along. So those I thought that's what they were going to do this season. Interesting. And, but I think the Rangers jumped the, the – uh, the situation with Gorgiev uh, jumped in there and, and created another alternative. And it's, again, you sit here and you say, well, he couldn't beat out Igor Shesterkin. Well, so, no. That's, that's You're talking what, about, <laughs> you know, a top three goaltender in the league. Yeah, after after Lundqvist's retirement, he just jumped in and took the job and didn't let it go and was terrific last season. So, uh, so how Gorgiev does is going to be... Uh, he his upside is probably much better than Darcy Kemper's, I think. But he's yeah. got to prove he's got to prove his kind of iffy his iffy play in the last few years is not the real Gorbiev. Right, he's not the real Gorbiev. Yeah, I mean, and obviously it's a small sample size, but you're looking at that last uh, what was it, the last nine games there? We went eight and one with a couple of shutouts. I mean, that's really what you're looking at. Obviously, that's obviously what's happened most recent for him as well. So. I don't. I don't hate the move by any stretch. I just think you still have a question mark out there at the position. But he was under the Mendoza. Here's a baseball one for it. He was under the Mendoza yeah. line of point nine zero save percentage. That was the first thing that jumped out to me. And well, I was eight, close. We but... call it the Hardy Astrom line here in Denver because of the formerly uh, nondescript goaltender Hardy Astrom for the Colorado Rockies. But he did, he has not had a great NHL career. And the Avalanche are going to ask him to step up and be more than that with them. And, again, with the underlying foundation, that the Avalanche believe they can win with ordinary goaltending. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, coming up after the break, Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred made his personal two choices for the All-Star game. 
Who oh. were they? And what of the new policy of allowing Manfred the prerogative to make those picks? That's coming up next on Afternoon Drive. It's been and I feel awkward as I should. This club. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. I'm journalist and author Terry Fry. The usual driver of the show, Eric Goodman, is out today and sitting in with me is Anilo Piro, who's familiar with... Two MileHighSports.com readers, listeners, and viewers as a versatile rider and now going over to the dark side as the site's digital director and ops manager. You can watch us on MileHighSports.com and reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T-Fry, T-F-R-E-I, and at Media by AP. That's me. That's you. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. Well, Anilo, Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera have been selected the MLB All-Star Game. Wow. Pujols and Cabrera were described by the league at leagues as special selections. A nod toward Commissioner Rob Manfred's newly ordained power to add one player of historical significance to each roster. Manfred gained that ability as part of the new CBA. You like that rule? I was going to ask. I've never heard of this before, so that makes sense. I'm fine with it. I mean, how do you hate having Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pools in another All-Star game? That's what the All-Star game is. I always got a little bit uh, cynical when I'd hear people griping about, well, he shouldn't be in the starting lineup. It's a celebration of the game. And you're rooting for the people you want to see. They And they're... Whether they're the best players in the game now or they're not is beside the point. If the sentiment is for the best All Star game right. in sports, I mean, there's, well, no, there's no, no, there's no way to even argue that point. Exactly that point. So if, the, if you want to see those guys in the All Star game, more power to you. I agree, and the way that I look at it too is like you want to. And the commissioner is going to pick guys with sentimental value. Absolutely, because I mean, there's a generation of baseball fans, and especially you know, you and I were talking before the show about how the sport is kind of in a little bit of a a whirlwind with its popularity across the country. I mean, there's probably a lot of baseball fans that are you know kids right now, maybe eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old who who don't remember prime Albert Pujols or prime Miguel Cabrera like I did when I was their age when they were coming up the ranks. And I, I think it's it's a good way to kind of make sure that these icons of the game, two future Sherlock Hall of Famer are getting some shine in the manner in which they have. I have no problem with it. And I actually do like the commissioner being able to handpick a couple of players. Is it a problem that Pujols has hung on this long? Has he, quote, tarnished his image? No, I think he tarnished his image with the (laughs) 10-year decade run in uh, Los Angeles. I think that's where it all started. I think, if anything, this is a repairing of his image going back to St. Louis. But he did have a great 12-year run in the game. Oh, absolutely. He was a dominant force. I mean, about as fearful of a slugger as you could possibly go up against. And whenever we bring out an example of a guy who played too long, and this may be before your time. Well, it is before your time. <laughs> but I, I grew up on the West Coast. Right. And it was Willie Mays. It, if you drew a line halfway between San Francisco and Los Angeles, mm-hmm. pick a spot. I think it was, I forget, we knew what it was at one point. But the north side, north of that line, your favorite player was a giant. 
Right. And mine was that was Willie Mays. No question about it. Although he had been a New York Giant before moving. Yeah, to that's uh, my grandma actually stopped watching baseball because she Polo grew up. Grounds. Yeah, she grew up a diehard New York Giant fan. They left. She refused to root for the Dodgers. Well, the Dodgers left too, but she literally did not have a baseball team until the Mets came around. Oh, those were the fans that turned to the Mets. Yes. Those, those no, that's ex- that's literally it. Yep, that's the story. And the thing about Willie Mays was, it. It was in a time when there weren't a lot of games on television. They were, they were on Saturday. You watched right. them on Saturdays. And you listened. You didn't have the Giants, the Giants radio network on the West Coast. It didn't go up and down the West Coast. Oh, really? So you really kind of... You're pigeonholed. Your, your favorite players were kind of in your imagination. Right. You know, you would listen. If somehow you could get the radio broadcast, and it was possible at times, you would kind of listen and imagine the game being played. That was the beauty of... That was the beauty of radio, but that was Willie Mays ended up being traded to the Mets in se- for seventy two and seventy three when he's forty and forty one years old, and the famous pictures of uh, videos of him kind of stumbling around in the outfield. I don't think that ruined his image because the image that was formed was him in his early years with the Giants in New York with a great over the shoulder catch. I bet you. Can yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm very. I, I know. I Dick like to Wirtz. say. Yeah. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about, Terry. Okay. I'm a little That's bit baseball. of a historian with that stuff. That's a little baseball. Bit. Yeah. So Willie Mays uh, didn't. I don't think he tarnished his image, but I get the I get the point of those who bring it up with with Pujols that he's he's hung on too long. But I don't I don't really sit here and think of with, with now the plethora of video outlets and the ways to see them play and the ways to record what they're doing that I don't think of Albert Pujols stumbling around. No, not at all. I mean, like I said, my the one negative impression I have of Albert Pujols is him leaving St. Louis after winning that World Series to go play in L.A. for 10 years and accomplishing nothing. That's my defining memory of uh, the recent Albert Pools, at least. So I think it's fair to say the three greatest players over the last 30 years are arguably Barry Bonds, Pujols, and Mike Trout. You're going to put Bonds in there? Yeah. Despite all the... Uh, stop it. What do Barry you mean stop Bonds, it? Barry Bonds, oh, was come the, on. Barry Bonds was the best player in baseball before Before he... And then, uh, well, you're just not going to include after? The temptation. Yeah, no. but come on, you got to factor. You're telling me you think his home run record's legitimate, then? Yes. Oh, come on, Terry. Now, are you are you no. going to tell me that he was the only one doing it in the game? No, I'm not going to say in the context of those times. I, I'm ready to completely write off. And uh, I was I come was on. covering the game. I was around the game at the time. You I know think, how difficult it was for Henry Aaron to do what he did. Well, you also know how hard how hard it was for Barry Bonds to sit there and watch the media fall all over themselves chronicling the home run chase between Sosa and McGuire. And that's that's when fair. That's when Bonds was moved to g- get involved in that in, yeah, into but, that cesspool. He was the best player in baseball for a long. And he's not. I'm here. I'm here to tell you, he's not a good guy. I've been told. He's Believe me, I've guy. been told. Yeah, I, I covered. The, wow, so you I covered you're defending age, a bad guy. Yeah, I covered the A's, Giants, and in, in, uh, in Mariners during those years. Were you there with the earthquake in the World Series? Oh, I sure was. What? Were you in the building? Yeah, I was in the stadium. Yes, I'll have to. I'll have to. Uh, Call up that story for you. Wow. Yeah, I could only of, imagine. Of, it's part of one of my books, uh, Playing Piano in a Brothel. Interesting. And so, yes, I was in that earthquake, and it was one of the more memorable experiences of my life. I would imagine. Doing more than covering the baseball. I actually stayed over for a week and wrote about the uh, area kind of trying to come to grips with the aftermath oh. of the earthquake. And it was, it was some of the best writing. What I've was that, 1989? 89. I was going to say 90s. So. You know who? Do you know who threw out the first pitch in the first game of the that was going to be game Oof. three? 
You're going to have to give me a hint if you want me to guess. I would have no clue. I was about 10 years before I was born. He is now, he was 12 years old at the time. Okay. He is now a general manager of a National Hockey League team. Really? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Chris Drury. Really? Chris Drury. That's a good trivia question. That is a fantastic. Gil would like that one. Yeah, he threw out the first pitch in the game one of the 1989 World Series. He's a Little League World Series legend, isn't he, Chris yes, Drury? He is. Yes, they Wow. From Trumbull, Connecticut, they beat the team from Taiwan that had I, they were all, all those guys now joked about, it. I met some of Drury's friends later. They joked about how uh, those guys worked as bouncers in bars, the, the 12 year olds from Taiwan. Oy, I'm not surprised, yeah, but the, at that time it was a very suspect process. Yeah. Way back in the, yeah, that's when there was like no rules back then, yeah. any of this stuff, no regulations. And they thought they were going to get beat like 31 to three. And then after two innings, when they're still in, they go, Hey, we can win this thing. And they did. And Drury, Drury was actually a catcher. Hmm. Anybody was there. He was their backup number. He was their backup pitcher, and so he actually pitched that game without being known as a pitcher. He was mainly a catcher. Wow! So look at that. Yeah, a little bit, little baseball trivia. So yeah, I'm throwing Barry Bonds in there. Dang it! Come on, I, I can't believe you think it's a legitimate record. Come on, Terry. I could debate you on that for an hour and a half if you want to. No, thank you. I think we've heard all those arguments. No, that's fair. It's fair, but. I think, yeah, no, it's valid. I mean, in, in, in the legacy perspective of the game as okay, a regard. Okay, who, who are the top three guys of the last 30 years in your mind? Last 30 years in my mind? So I mean, that'd take us back to the early 90s. That'd take, mm, let's see here. It's hard for me to ever put a picture in there as well, just because pitching is a, little, a lot different. No, than, I think it's part of the game. You can go ahead. Obviously, Trout, I'd put Ken Griffey Jr. in there. Yeah. And I would probably put, hmm, I'm not putting Jeter. I'm not putting A-Rod. You know what the argument for Griffey is, mm-hmm. don't you? What? The argument for Griffey is he's the one player I could look at and say he never was doing PEDs. And that, isn't that, isn't, there's something special about that, though, to do it on your own merit. Yeah. I would say the two for sure that I'm putting in there, obviously Griffey, Trout. I'm trying to think of a third. You're a big baseball guy, Alex. Who's, who's a pitcher that's been just electric? I mean, you could even go, like, with a, if you want to, you could make a case for probably Mo Rivera. It's a I hard one to make. But. Clemens or Randy Johnson are the two pitchers that stick out to me. And I would and Pedro default. Martinez, possibly. Mm-hmm. And I would default to Johnson simply because I can't put Bonds in there. I can't put Clemens in there if I'm not putting Bonds. You do realize Roger Clemens pitched in the 1986 World Series against the Mets as a 19-year-old and then pitched against them again in the year 2000. No, I didn't. And then threw a bat that. at Mike Piazza on Roy Rage. No, I didn't realize that. <laughs> I know my stuff just a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay. So uh, when we come back, we'll be we'll be, uh, we'll, be talk, we'll we'll be uh, doing just in case you missed it. Ooh. And we'll be right back. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. I'm journalist and author Terry Fry, the usual driver of this show, Eric Goodman is out today and sitting in with me is Anilo Piro, who's familiar to MileHighSports.com readers, listeners, and viewers as a versatile writer and now is the site's 
Digital Director and Ops Manager. You can watch us on milehighsports.com and reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at TFry and at Media by AP. There was a classic. Did you ever watch the Mary Tyler Moore show in like 17 years later reruns? Because I did. That's you can see them. That's one that I did not watch. I've heard about it. There was a famous episode where where uh, Murray was the news writer, Gavin McLeod, and Ted Knight was the. Did you ever see him in Caddyshack? Of course. All right, Ted Knight was the uh, was the was Ted Baxter, the newscaster on the air. Ah. He and Murray made this bet about whether he could pronounce the uh, Japanese prime minister's name correctly on the air. And it was a big money bet. And Ted said the name about a hundred times before (laughs) going on the air, stepped in front of the cameras and fouled it up and lost the bet. Yeah. So Gorgiev. 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 There we go. Out in the ante room here, I said it about it. 317 times. Yeah, we're going to have to do like a Bart Simpson, you know, and just write it a trillion times on the walk on so, the whiteboard. So, Gorgiev. Gorgiev. Boom. Got it. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda. Or find them at sthmazda.com. The Rocky Mountain Forest Products Gambling Challenge with Ty, Cal, Cade, and Evan from the Just Us Guys podcast is coming up. Brooklyn would want four first-round draft choices and an all-star player for Kevin Durant. Bet Rivers has Denver at 60-1 to odds. A $100 bet would win $6,000 to land Durant by the opening of the 2022-23 NBA regular season. The Nuggets are tied for the 10th best odds. The Nets and the, and the Suns are tied for the best odds at one plus 125 followed by the Raptors 3 to 1, Heat 12 to 1, Pelicans 12 to 1 and Warriors 16 to 1. Would you make that bet on Durant coming to Denver knowing it's a flyer? I'd probably put like 10 bucks on it just to have some fun, but I mean at the end of the day if I'm making one bet right here Terry, it's going to be him to go back to Brooklyn at plus 125. I don't think they're going to get the Kings Rants if so they're looking for. Yeah, but you can bet him plus one twenty five. You know, I just I feel like he's either going to Brooklyn or going to Phoenix. I'll go with Brooklyn. No, I went with I went with with another one. I took the other team that he mentioned as a possibility that he would approve it, uh, which is the Heat. Ooh. So the South Heat are Beach. twelve to one. I think that's the best bet on the board. I respect it. Good odds, good value. Should the Nuggets even get in that hunt to get Durant? Oh, absolutely. I think you have to get in the hunt. I think if you know, once they ask for Jamal Murray, that's when you hang up the phone, obviously. Oh no, I'd trade anything for Kevin Durant. At thirty four years old? Anything that anything the Nuggets have, I trade. Except for you know who. I'm not trading I'm not I, I trade everybody but Murray and Jokic. I'm not trading Murray. So that's what I do. I I, I think he's gonna end up with a heat. I, I'll take that as a, I think it was twelve to one. Yep, twelve to one. Nice buy, and I think the the Nuggets should at least check into getting into the hunt. Underrated. It's so unlikely that it, it, it would be a long shot bet. Obviously. Absolutely. I, I like to call those uh, pizza bets. You know, throw a little pizza money. If you hit, you're good to go. So, guys, what do you think? I do think he's going to end up with, with uh, the Heat. Really? Or or Brooklyn. I think it's one of those two. He's not going to Phoenix because Phoenix won't give up Devin Booker, which is what they're going to want. How do, you like the, how do you like the Nuggets moves the last week? I'm fine with them. I don't think it's anything. Last ten days. I don't think it's anything earth shattering. I actually like the draft choice a lot of Christian Brown out of KU. I think he's a scrappy defensive player that can hit the three. I think bringing in Contavious Caldwell Pope is a solid move for them as well. A good perimeter defender. Yeah, and I mean and that's what they needed. They needed to strengthen themselves out there. Yep. And give and clearly give Jokic some help. 
But yeah. I, I am not one of those guys that now we, we got, got overly excited, I think, over Jamal Murray working out with the summer league team and uh, getting excited about how close he is. I still think I'll believe I think it's different when you get on the floor in a game. I'll believe it when I see it. I agree with you. And I think it might take him even when he does get into that game speed. It might take him a little while. He might look a little rusty out of the gate for the first month or two. How about Michael Porter Jr.? <laughs> That's the big question mark, Mr. Fry. And. Look, you got to have confidence. I mean, he's a, the, the natural ability of Michael Porter Jr. is there. I mean, he can shoot the three. He's got the size and whatnot. I've been on record saying I think that they screwed up by not trading him before last season. I think he's the most really? valuable. I think he's the most valuable trade chip they've ever had. Well, where they screwed up was signing him to the max. Conference. Exactly. Well, that was my whole take. Right? Is like you were sitting there coming off a bubble run, right? Where you make it to the conference final. You've got your two cogs in Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. And my thought process in regards to Michael Porter Jr. is. You've got this guy. He was essentially house money because you yeah. backed into him in the draft. You didn't yeah. necessarily need him, and he could have facilitated a trade oh, of a Bradley it, Beal type. It was. I I don't want to say a brilliant draft choice, but it sure was worth the risk. There's oh, no absolutely. For a team, even if he never plays another game, it was worth the risk. It was an all upside pick. So it, by criticizing or raising eyebrows over the process through which he's been hurt and is still waiting to come back into the lineup, that is not second guessing the actual no. pick of him. That's more so why I say when you knew the medicals were involved in kind of the history with him there, you had an opportunity to trade him for a premium price and you didn't. Instead, you signed him to a max contract, which is fine. But it's just one of those things where in hindsight, I'm sitting back. Imagine if you had a Bradley Beal type player. Do you really think they could have traded him for a premium? Absolutely. I mean, that was that was the buzz. That was the buzz. I thought there was enough suspicion out there about his health and his ongoing availability or lack of availability that a trade would have been very difficult. Very, I, very, I think you I think you could have made a very competitive offer because you think you could build a package at that time around Michael Porter Jr., a couple picks, Monte Morris, and R.J. Hampton, who you still had at the time, who you got Aaron Gordon for. Yeah. They had, they had you know, pieces to put together with Michael Porter Jr. to sweeten it a little bit. But with all these moves, where do you think they, they are now? I, th- I think they've moved. Uh, my original thought was when uh, John Wall was went, went to the Clippers, mm-hmm. that nu- nudged the Nuggets down another spot. I think, I think that's the, fair. I think the moves they've made have at least counteracted that, and so I think they're they're. I think we're looking at that fifth or sixth in the conference. Now. I think that's about right. I mean, I think they have the potential to be a top four team. I really do, and I'm, that's more so because I'm a big believer in Jamal Murray and kind of what he can bring to the table and whatnot. But I mean, you know, you're talking about a Clippers team that brings in John Wall, didn't have Kawhi Leonard last year, didn't have Paul George for majority of the season as well. You'd expect the Lakers are going to have to pick it up at some point or another. Phoenix is still great. Dallas is only getting better. You know, so the West is, uh, you know. It's not necessarily going to be, you know, sunshine and rainbows going no. through that conference. No, how about the, the Gobert trade? Where do you think that was? Oh, Tim. Within, that was completely within the division. Yeah. So, well, Utah's tearing it down. That, where did that leave the Nuggets? I don't think it did much. I mean, they've they've been able to play against Gobert at a pretty efficient rate, even with Donovan Mitchell and company when they were in Utah together. I think you know Minnesota's shaping up to be a pretty damn fierce team with Carl Anthony Towns, the Ant Man, and now Rudy Gobert. They're going to be a defensive, you know, force out there, but. Look, if you you're giving me, I'm a betting guy, and you're telling me I could bet the Nuggets straight up against the Warriors. I'm betting the Nuggets ten times out of ten. Well, Carl Anthony Towns doesn't like guarding big men or playing. No, he's a softy for a big man. But I still think the, the Twin Towers approach is, of Tim Conley is not going to work. It didn't work with Jokic and uh, Nurkic all those years. Remember when they tried to deploy yeah. that back in what 16, 17, and eighteen? Nurkic is over at uh, mm-hmm. having dinner. Yeah. by the he didn't like that. No, he didn't like that. That's when I was actually covering the Nuggets. That was a fun time. How so? Because you you could just tell when the players were just frustrated with everything. I'll never forget, I walked into Media Day 2017, I want to say, and Kenneth Fareed was sitting there on a chair like all by himself and basically refused to answer anybody's question unless it was about him starting. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm a starter. You know, there's thir- there's 31 other teams out there. What, that you don't put a sign up there saying no questions except about No, he starting? just wanted that. Like, that was his only answer. Oh. Like, it was just like, I, I have a picture. He's just like sitting there, arms crossed. You know, it's just, these NBA players are characters sometimes. They really are. Yeah, I covered the league for about 10 years. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. it, it but it was uh, kind of an up and down cycle of yes. cordiality from the players. He, he had to learn to read the moods that they were in. They're very emotional. I like to call them divas. <laughs> They're a bunch of divas, those basketball players, I swear. Like James Harden can't can't stand James Harden. Can't. He, we were talking about they were talking about the possibilities like if James Harden oh my gosh. ended up with the Nuggets, for example. Oh. Well you'd have to watch him play. He's a great yeah. player, but you have to watch him play. He's just it's just torture watching. You, you can't tell me James Harden like loves basketball. Like and I know that's kind of like a strong take, but it's like I watch him play and I'm like, does this guy even like like it just seems like he's collected a paycheck. He's got all the natural ability in the world. Yeah, he does. And ever since he kind of fell off there in Houston, I mean, it's just, how do you have a team with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, you say, I'm good? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Kevin Durant now wants to leave. It's just, it's so madness, the player empowerment era that we've entered into. Yes, I agree. So, Alex, what do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? We will discuss Joe Sackick's eventful day yesterday as the Avs GM had lots going on. Plus, an old beef between two NBA legends has somewhat resurfaced. And we'll get into that next on Afternoon Drive with Piro and Fry on Mile High Sports. Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. I'm journalist and author Terry Fry, the usual driver of the show, Eric Goodman. Eric Goodman is out today and sitting in with me is Anilo Piro who's familiar to MileHighSports.com readers, listeners, and viewers, is a versatile writer and now is the site's digital director and ops manager. What is that? I basically help run all the stuff you see on social media. So our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I have a role in that. And then I help manage the day-to-day stuff with the site, you know, making sure our videos look good, making sure everything is, you know, functioning as it should. Well, if you never, if you ever need any help in those departments... Uh, I'm not here. All right. I, I, not, I will not give you a call. I'll call you if I have the trouble writing a column. Okay. Or if I ever start a novel. You can watch us on milehighsports.com and reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at TFry and at Media by AP. Have you ever tried to write a novel? No, but I've honestly expressed, like, it's always something that I've been interested in once I found something worth writing about. Well, I've done two, and you, let, you have to let You've done more than two. Two no? novels. Oh. Two novels and five nonfiction books. The two novels. What's the difference? Like, oh. I'm going to state myself. I'm a young, ignorant kid here. But seriously, like, what's the what's the difference between a, a regular well, book and novel, a novel? The novel, of course, is fiction, and the nonfiction books are nonfiction. Oh. In, in, the, in this case, both of my novels are based on events in my life or are events that I've researched that were real. So it's ah. when, when you go to a movie and you see based on a true story, yeah. that's kind of what my novels are. Okay. And I. I uh, the one, uh, Olympic Affair is my best novel. And it's about 1936 Olympic decathlon champion Glenn Morris is from Simla, Colorado, mm. in Colorado State University, winning the decathlon at the 1936 Olympics. 
wow. in, in Berlin. He's from Simla, Colorado, was the student body president. And this is true. Yeah. Student body president at Colorado State. I can't make that wow. up. He was a student body president at Colorado State. And in those Olympics, Jesse Owens won four gold medals and was right. the most famous part of the Olympics. But Glenn Morris was the second most famous athlete at, the, at those games and was considered the uh, greatest athlete in the world. Right. And that's the controversial Olympics, era, or Olympics yes. because of the... You know everything—the affairs going on in the world—and he had an affair with uh, Nazi propagandist filmmaker Lenny Riefenstahl, who was an actress and a dancer, oh. and was making the uh, propaganda movies for Hitler. And so really, he, he got enmeshed in an affair with her uh, because she was so toxic, and he was—he was just uh, so conned into the into the deal that uh, he was never the same after that. Interesting. So, so it's it's a novel based on truth. I researched it as a nonfiction book but ended up writing as a suggested by truth. I tried to make it as close to the possible as possible to the truth. It's my best novel. I'll, think it, so? I'll bring it down here to you. Let, let me ask you this. I don't know if you saw this shirt. Did yeah, you cover the 96 Olympics the in Atlanta? Olympics in How Atlanta. was that? Uh, I remember the, the park bombing. That was the most uh, they, prominent part. About they it. did a little Netflix that. series on that. And they, cause they blamed it on a security officer. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah. He was kind of a hapless character. And uh, didn't handle it well, but uh, the media did not distinguish themselves by jumping to conclusions. Yes, absolutely. So, so you can watch us on MileHighSports.com and reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry and at Media by AP. Now, time for the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, um, Joe Sackick, yesterday on his 53rd birthday last night, he won NHL GM of the Year. He's the first person to win both that award and the Hart Trophy for league MVP. Uh, your guys' thoughts on Sackick being named GM of the Year. It's named after Jim Gregory, a longtime respected hockey man, and I think that probably means a lot to Joe because I mean I know he knew Jim Gregory, who was involved in like presenting trophies and everything else back when Joe was a player. So I think winning the award probably means something to him. The transition he made after taking over in the, for the 2013-2014 season, and with Patrick Baugh as the other member <laughs> of rejoining, uh, getting the band back together. And then going down to the 16-17 season with the worst bang-for-the-buck season in the history of the National Hockey League when the Avalanche had a historically awful 48 points while scraping the top of the salary cap ceiling. And then his rebounding from that is just it's just a, almost a magical process. And so uh, there's no question that he deserved that award. And uh, uh, I, I think moving forward, I don't think this is the first time he's going to win a championship. I don't disagree. Uh, big fan of Joe Sackick, obviously, for what he's been able to deliver, uh, both as a player and now as an executive. And, uh, you know, they didn't have too many draft picks this year, and I think that's for good reason, right? I think he's doing his job well, and, you know, well, they... Think about it. Look at the Los Angeles Rams, Stan Kroenke's other team. They here. basically took the same approach. We like to say, uh, puck them picks. Sports true. There you go. We don't need no picks here. We got the championship roster ready to roll. But it, 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 hockey... It's funny because he did he did go through the rhetoric of a rebuilding. We got to do a rebuild, and they did it with draft choices. But then once they got to the point where the rebuilding was was to the point where they could win a championship, they stepped back and said 
say to fill the fill in the gaps here, we're going to use the trading of draft choices. Right. So it was a very savvy strategy that we probably didn't even give him enough praise for uh, changing the course in midstream when appropriate. Yeah, I tend to agree. Yesterday, the Inquisitor came out with an article detailing Michael Jordan's origins of his beef with Isaiah Thomas. Uh, Isaiah then quote tweeted the article saying, stop lying. This story is not factual or accurate. Tell the truth, man. Dr. J, Moses Malone, Larry Bird, Sidney Moncrief, and I did not freeze you out. If memory serves me correct, I was injured most of the second half, and Bird had a broken nose. Magic and Samson dominated the game. So do you guys believe MJ was frozen out in the 1985 All-Star game, and should Isaiah Thomas kind of just leave this alone at this point? Isaiah Thomas can't win by by Drake by fighting this. Just, no. just, just keep your mouth shut and let, let, let the... Uh dust kind of settled. I agree. There's no question that Isaiah Thomas has unfortunately kind of thrown some dirt on his name in regards to where he should belong in the NBA kind of history lore. I mean, the two championships yes. he won right before Jordan tend to get overlooked because of who came after him, right? He won it, yeah. I mean, he's an, he's an incredible player, and I, it's just unfortunate that him and Jordan never clicked necessarily. I, I covered that finals with Portland and uh, Detroit. Really? Yeah, and Isaiah was terrific in that with Joe Dumars. What was that, 91? 90. 90. They won 90-91, and then Jordan went, what, 92 to the 90s? 92 was again against Portland. The, okay. The, the Bulls against Portland. I was sitting about 10 feet away when Jordan went like this. I mean, the, the gesture with the open hand. Yeah. The shrug. Yes. Yeah. The what a time. Like to that today. So I think you, you can't win by attempting to, to really counter everything that comes out now. We're in, in the society with a plethora of information. Uh, reports here, reports there. You almost can't win by trying to counter everything you disagree with. And you're going up against the goat of goats. There's just no way to win that Jordan. argument. Yeah, you can't. In basketball, that is. Yeah, but Isaiah Thomas has been in a lot of these, uh, you know what, matches. I know. He never, he never comes out of it's it. It's weird. Well. And it's like we shouldn't be doing IT like that. You know, he's a great player, one of the most iconic players in NBA history, yeah. and it's just like he doesn't get the same level of praise as the Magics of the world. All right, uh, Kyrie Irving. He oh. attended the Los Angeles Sparks Seattle Storm WNBA game last night in Los Angeles. Of course, the signal around the league is that Kyrie wants to go to the Lakers. So, are the Lakers are they a realistic realistic landing spot for Mr. Irving? I would say yes, realistic. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, it's also you know he went to that game because he knew he'd be seen. Oh, absolutely. That's why I call them divas. You know, it's <laughs> just this whole set of circumstances with these NBA players. I'm nauseated. I'm tired with it. We're talking about the same Kyrie Irving that left Cleveland the first time around because he didn't want to play with LeBron. Now he's going to go run to La La Land to play with LeBron. Look, I think he's either going to Brooklyn or stay, or he's going to stay in Brooklyn or go to LA. I think how those, many, how many games did he give up in the uh, this past season? Yes, too many. Yes, way too many. And professional. Yeah, it, that's the thing. There's no professionalism. It's a me, 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 me world with these NBA players. All right, yeah, we got time for one more. Uh, MLB All-Star Game coming up on July 19th. That's about a week and a half away. Game will be held at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. That's the first time since 1980 the game will be held at Dodger Stadium. Uh, any players on the Rockies roster that are deserving of a bid to the Midsummer Classic? One. Yep. DJ Crone. Absolutely. He's the only That's one it. you can consider. No love for Daniel Bard? No. I guess you, you can consider it. They need to trade Daniel Bard. That's what they need to do. They got to trade Daniel Bard. They got to figure out what to do with Crone, but he's the only all-star weight player. Speaking of Daniel Bard, did you see the way that game ended the other night? Which one? The infield single. Yes. Unfortunately, I did. Yes. Yeah, with five infielders, albeit 
That's so Rockies, baby. Well, they, 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 one thing forgotten there is they had to make the play at the plate. There was no other choice. So they had five infielders, and they had they had to make the play moving toward the plate to get the out yeah. to get the out at home. So it was more bad. <laughs> it was more bad luck than it was ineptitude. Yeah, but I mean, isn't it one and the same with the Rockies these days? Yeah. Yep. Coming up, that was Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, coming up after the break. Should the Broncos be listed as one of the top five most improved teams in the NFL? One writer doesn't think so. Coming back, that's, that's after the break. 